Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. There are countless suggestions from various sources on how you should live, and yours truly is obviously included, that is, if you're listening. However, so little emphasis is placed on how God says you should live. God makes it obvious His way is the way to eternal life, yet the world is calling you to live your best life in the here and now. You can believe what you're dwelling on confirms your perspective, and your mindset determines the direction of your feet. Today, we'll dive into Jesus' perspective on the way to live that leads to eternal life, and he confirms it is to be the way of life for his disciples. You desire to live your best life now? Then listen to the world. You desire to live today for eternity? Then God has provided the way. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship the Way of Life, How Should You Live? The plain old truth, you'll either follow the world or follow Jesus. There's no gray area, and that's your NGA. Today, the airways, email, social media are bombarding your senses with thousands of alternatives as to the best way to live. And today, you must decide how God says you should live as a disciple of Jesus, because... It does make total sense if you just look at the pure milk of the word. God's word, weighs by the power, teaching, and work of God the Holy Spirit, will renew your mind from the corruption through the deliberate and purposeful indoctrination by the world system and your own sinful flesh. When God is at work in you, you'll find God's word and spirit coming alive in you, and you will begin to live out his will and ways. Then you'll find yourself passing on his word, ways, and truths to another through your spiritual relationships. And that, my fellow disciples, is called discipleship. That's the plain old truth. Unless you have God's word written on the tablet of your heart, which saturates your mind and his spirit alive and working in and through you, you will fall prey to the world's systems, philosophies, prompts, opinions, notions, theories, concepts, all of it, all formulated by the God of this world, Satan, who is injecting lies into the minds of people that God's word is fiction, it no longer applies to your life, God's ordinances and precepts are obsolete, they only applied to those that which it was written to. And then they wind up doubting God and his word. And this deception is then conceived, and a worldview is seared into their minds, leading them to be more concerned with what the world thinks of them than how God loves them, what he thinks of them, and what they can become in him. Believe that. The world will never tell you what the end result of this deception is. Because they're telling you that you can live your best life now and it all benefits you now. Where the only true God will tell you of what you can become in him today. Are you willing to listen to the one with a capital O that has the power to change your today and your eternal destination? Or will you listen to the world that can only affect your present? It's your choice. Now you have to decide. Which one is telling you the truth and has freedom, and which one is lying and holding you bound? Today we're diving into seven of God's truths that will confirm that as a disciple of Jesus, you must leave the, what the world offers to you, because God has called you out of the world, and you can't take anything with what the world has 
nor what you acquire in and through the world when you leave this planet anyway. I pray God illuminates your heart and mind as you hear and consider God's perspective on the topic of how you should live. Our first stop is Luke 12, 13-21, titled Covetousness Denounced. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to them, Man, who appointed me a judge and arbiter over you? Then he said to him, Beware, and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The first biblical perspective to consider today is, Do you desire more than what God has and will provide for you? Yes, there's no question Jesus is speaking directly on one's obsession with wealth and material possessions. And because he is, it could be easy just to only focus on money and keep our possessions to ourselves. But listen to what Jesus said. He said every form of greed. If God is using every form in the same sentence with the word greed, he must desire for his disciples to look beyond just money. Therefore, it has to do more with than just the almighty dollar, cologne, peso, euro, yen, ruble, pound, or boulevard. Now I'm certain you're wondering why I mentioned so many different currencies. That's because God the Holy Spirit is taking diving deep with DL into nine different countries. Praise God. There are listeners to this Godcast in the U.S., of course, Germany, Costa Rica, Russia, Venezuela, Japan, United Kingdom, Spain, and Colombia. And that is as of today. God, the Holy Spirit, you are an amazing God. And although I don't know all the listeners, I am truly thankful God is using me to encourage you as you continue to faithfully listen to what God is saying through this Godcast. I pray that each of you will continue to be encouraged to walk the way Jesus did, to fix your eyes on him, write God's word on a tablet of your hearts, read, study, and meditate on it, and live it out as his disciple wherever your feet are treading. Amen? I know that I cannot be where you are at this exact moment today, but God has you where you are, and I may not know where that is, but God does. So preach the word, my fellow disciples, preach the word, and I pray God sees your beautiful feet as you live out your calling today. So be intentional and purposeful and be and make disciples all along the path that God leads you. Amen. So 
If Jesus only intended for his disciples to focus on money, he could have simply said, guard against the greed with money. But no, Jesus says every form of greed. And for that reason, I'll ask you, is your identity or what you truly value or your way of life determined by the material wealth you muster up and pack away? Is it in your possessions you've acquired along this path of life? Cogitate on these. Are you greedy with your time? Greedy with your motivation? Greedy with your authority? Greedy with your labor? Greedy with your food? Greedy with your views about specific matters? Greedy because you deserve it? Greedy by shunning your responsibilities? Greedy about living for here and now versus for your eternity? Greedy about promoting yourself as you tear down someone else? And most importantly, greedy with yourself by making everything all about you for the praise, recognition, and acceptance of others. Now I will warn you, beware of your sinful flesh and the human instruments of the devil, because they're enemies to your testimony, life, and work as a disciple of Jesus. Believe that, because your flesh and the devil's work in tandem to distract you from God's truth using lies and illusions to get your spiritual life off track and being in and of the world, they both operate in opposition to God. The title is Covetousness Denounced. The pure milk of the word, when your heart is set on desiring, craving, or yearning anything, then your heart fills your mind with worldly and selfish desires and cravings. The roots of this sin are no different than a drug addict's craving, a gambler's, a dullerer's, or a pornographer's. And once these covetous desires are conceived, you, just like those mentioned and others, are carried away and enticed by the lust of covetousness in your heart, and that now permeates your mind. Temptation looms behind every infomercial person and object. You can count on that. And every scheme is intentional and strategic to distract you from your calling. It will ruin your testimony and cause your flesh and eyes to focus on the world's images as you begin to practice sin compared to the life that God says you can live in Him. Oh, you can expect and believe every illusion is cloaked with all the stately and honorable, but it's all counterfeit as sin, camouflaged as well as a hunter perched in a tree seeking their game. You heard Jesus' warning, guard against every form of greed. And as you've heard on Diving Deep with D.L., when God says every, he means every. Amen? When covetousness is frequent practice, you too will continue to fill your barns. Oh, you'll deceive yourself to believe, oh, you can do so much more with all that you acquire. But you'll find over time your heart, mind, and hands begin to clench more than they ever extend and open up. And once your flesh is in control of what you think and do, your downward spiral begins and covet everything you must. Look around you. What do you see? Like the man in Jesus' parable, your reason to yourself to justify your fleshly desire for greed. And it may seem to you you're progressing in your spirituality and being blessed by God as your piles and possessions grow. But in reality, you intentionally ignore others and their needs as you become selfish with your own time. And the illusion of God's blessing on your life is like the man mentioned in Luke 12. 
and it becomes a sad misconception as one deceives themselves only to find they're living in the flesh more than in and by the Spirit of God. What you fail to realize is you're actually regressing and not progressing, growing, and maturing in your spirituality, and you're actually moving away from God versus closer to Him. Yes, what one intends as the quote-unquote charitable deeds done from time to time may produce a noble impression, no question. But one truly desires to be recognized, praised, and applauded for those deeds. But the real question is, for whom are the deeds really? See, the first man desired for Jesus to render a decision that feeds his sinful desire of greed. And the second man was so greedy, although his barns are filled to capacity, he was not satisfied with his abundance. Please understand, it will never be about you and what you can accumulate for yourself. But you can believe the world and your flesh will beg to differ with that truth. What you acquire in order to live a life that fulfills your own desires will confirm where your heart truly is. Jesus confirms this truth through his disciple Matthew in Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The pure milk of the word, what you see in this world is fleeting. It doesn't matter if it's the best of the best things, whether they're well-built, prominent, or enormous, whether they sparkle, glisten, or glimmer, whether luxurious, exclusive, or lavished, they are only treasures within themselves. They all can be demolished, dulled, or destitute, even the finest things are vulnerable to insects and defenseless against elements, earthquakes, and tsunamis. They can be guarded, yet burglars, embezzlers, and deceivers invade and snatch them from the possessor. You must never, as a disciple of Jesus, place your confidence, comfort, and contentment in the things of this world. And even though they may give the illusion of preciousness, efficiencies, and have significant world value, their value is only to the world's standards and practices. If they are your prized possessions and you depend on it and them, you'll begin to look at it, then God will look at you, and then you'll live a life of a mind obsessed and focused on them versus a mind focused on Jesus. Jesus confirms your heart will be there also. And as you have been hearing, if your heart is saturated with the things of the world, then your mind will be flooded with it for sure. And if you entrust yourself to those for the future, you may find yourself hearing the same two words the man in Jesus' parable heard from God. Do you remember what those two words were? Well, it's, you fool. Jesus has given humanity the perfect example of the way to eternal life. And as his disciples, your focus must be on the eternal versus the temporal. As a disciple of Jesus, you exist as his vessel, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? 
you must be fully aware that the world is deceiving you to believe that in order to be successful, you need to follow its standards, philosophies, and strategies. The only thing in this world that has an eternal value is you, my fellow disciple, you. And when you have the Spirit of God living in and working through you, you will live forever. You've got to believe that because God said so. Here's the proof. It's John 14, 16, where Jesus says this, I ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Now, I will say three things. One, you will need a spirit forever. Or, God would have just only gave it to you for today. Two, when God says forever, he means forever. And three, what a blessing to have God the Holy Spirit in your spirit forever. Amen? This is an amazing blessing. The Spirit's occupation will begin in someone's life today because God is still at work bringing his salvation and breath of life to another dead soul and spirit today. You can be an active participant in God's plan of redemption for humanity and you will as his disciple. Amen? Because the man believed in his heart that material wealth made him who he was. That's why Jesus said, not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Many people, excuse me, getting too wound up again. How many people do you know of or see them living as what they possess or their job title defines who they are or they find their identity in it? Because they expect that material wealth will bring prestige, power, recognition, and influence. But I will ask you, prestige, power, recognition, and influence with whom? God or the world? So here comes that question. Look around you. What do you see? Do you see greed or generosity? Selfishness or selflessness? Lack or surplus. Deep in both men's heart was greed and materialism, and it consumed it. Look, isn't it obvious the more you store, the better your life is, right? Isn't that what the world's telling you? So instead of being a vessel of God, using his surplus to feed and bless others, no, keep it. Tear down the barns. They are full to capacity. And build larger ones. Keep it all to yourself. You've earned it. That's your flesh talking. I truly don't care about the misfortune of others. I'm fortunate. I'm the fortunate one. And that's all that matters to me. If it is to be, it's up to me. Ever heard that one? This man is being deceived and deceiving himself to believe that God was blessing him. But according to Jesus, abundance does not confirm the only true God's blessing. See, the man's heart is set on the things of the world and what the world has for him. And the world and its things, my fellow disciple, are temporal and passing away. As a disciple of Jesus, you must focus on the things of God, which is the spiritual living versus living in the physical, your flesh, and the material and the possession consumption. Jesus is offering you eternal life, not material wealth. 
and living in the physical will never lead to continuous spiritual growth and maturity and the eternal life God promises to give to all that live according to Jesus' commands. There is a tremendous difference in living in the physical, which is your flesh, or the spiritual, which is in and by God the Holy Spirit's power, teaching, and work. Jesus says quite plainly in Luke 12:15, Beware and be on guard against every form of evil. Jesus says quite plainly in Luke 12:15, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. Your spiritual wellness, maturity, and growth will only come from the only true God through the work and power of His Spirit. And although the world will tell you that you must have what it offers in order for you to truly be fulfilled and satisfied, now, and the signs of the devil's power and control is when the man, like Jesus' parable, in Jesus' parable, excuse me, began to reason to himself. Then he put into action what he thought was good for himself and said, This is what I'll do, which is his internal justification and the confirmation of sin deeply rooted in the man's heart. And the sin of greed is lived out when he says, I will say to my soul, the pure milk of the word, any person is a fool who will believe the schemes of the devil and live their life for only themselves. And Jesus confirms his truth by saying, So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, over the past several days, I have been focusing on a question. It has just been bouncing around in my mind. And this is the question. How can anything based on a lie be good? Meditate on that for a bit. I'll repeat it. How can anything based on a lie be good? You see, one would be deceiving themselves that they can accumulate. It's really their own. And when they can't take it with them, when they leave this planet, yet isn't it odd they covet it like they can? You see, one's mere profession will never override any person's practice and continue indulgence in sin. You are called to live by Jesus' commands as his disciple. You are to be grounded in the truth, and you are to be and make disciples. So, the question, how should you live? The short answer, look at Jesus. But the better question would be, how did Jesus live when he walked on this planet? Because that's the example you must follow as his disciple, and surely not what the world is saying. And the question is really quite simple. Jesus lived one day at a time. Here's your proof. It's Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You must keep focus on what God has placed right in front of you today. If you heard the alarm this morning, it was only because God woke you up to hear it for his will and work to be conducted in your life today. Because the dead don't hear. And that's a sound biblical truth that applies to one's spiritual existence. Believe that. When God gives you today, it's today. Just think about it. How many days can you live at one time? And since you have and are living within it, 
then you must learn to live your life as a disciple of Jesus for today and today only. Because the plain old truth, that's really all you got today. We must never be deceived to believe that we ourselves are actually the ones in control of our future. How many do you know of or have witnessed someone that what they have experienced was unexpected as to what they actually had planned to live through? I know I am living it right now. And others I have deep cherished relationships with as well. And my family, both Im in immediate excuse me, and extended. The world will deceive you to believe otherwise. Jesus is testifying that any day could bring disruptions, hardships, and tribulation that drastically affects anyone's established plans, and that's in the here and now and in the future. This is a true statement because this is what Jesus said would happen. Listen to what God said through his disciple John in John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. The truth? Jesus didn't say may or might. He said have tribulation. That means you will partake in tribulation, be distressed by tribulation, suffer by tribulation, inflicted by tribulation, experience pain, trouble, misfortune, and misery by tribulation. Nevertheless, you must stand firm amid the tribulation. You are called to endure the tribulation. But you can find peace in and through it, but you must be in Jesus to persevere and endure through it. You will only have true peace amid the tribulation when you are in Jesus and his spirit is alive and working in and through you. What else do you think? Where else do you think? How else do you think the empowerment comes from? It can't come from your flesh. It's weak and sinful. It can't come from others because how are they going to empower you? especially if you isolate yourself and not lean into the disciples God has placed in your life, how would they know if you're in a tribulation if you're not living out God's word and ways in your life in true community? And what would you do when you do experience tribulation? Well, you must be like Jesus. You know why? Well, he's overcome the world. I will pass you this one in a bubble. If you want to be like Jesus is his disciple, then study what Jesus said and did. Yes, that would be reading the Bible, no question. But here's one way I think it will truly bless you, challenge you, and be a great reminder for you. Get yourself a red-letter Bible. That's where everything Jesus says is in red. Then you can focus on only Jesus' words. So just study the red. Then you can see how Jesus lived every day. Please understand, there's no guarantee that any disciple of Jesus will escape tribulation and the evil acts from evil people who are under the rule and power of the devil who are of this world. Jesus didn't, and neither will any of his disciples. Have faith and courage, though. Through the power and might of God, you will be able to face them head on and experience peace amid the tribulation in Jesus because God promised you could. So, if you step out of the physical and lean deeper into the spiritual, consider this. You should anticipate the God in his love would say to you, You desire to be like Jesus and I desire the same for you. 
Therefore, you must experience tribulation and also sinful acts of humanity. Tri excuse me, tribulation will make you more like Jesus. He lived in and through it, leaving you a perfect example to follow. You should expect they will turn out for good. In the end, you will see. As you glorify me in it, I will be glorified through it. And it will be good for you because as you continue to walk on this planet, you will be like him, a living testimony of my spirit and work being conducted in and through your life. You will be conformed into Jesus' image as I prepare you to spend eternity with us. Do you remember Romans 8.29? For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren? God is shaping you into the most wonderful image you could ever see, make, or become on your own and from your own or the world's efforts. You must believe that. It's true. The reason Jesus lived one day at a time is because he surrendered his Godhead to live in this time and space element, providing you as his disciple a living example to show his disciples how to live in and through this world. He provided that in this time and space, with all of its restrictions, distractions, your own sinful flesh, and the devil and his flaming arrows and children, you can live the way Jesus did. Remember, he proved it. So you must only look to him. Fix your eyes on him and not the world for its strategies, principles, methods, systems, and philosophies. Fixing your eyes on Jesus and walking by the Spirit, you will accomplish the will of the Father that Jesus so desires for you to live out as his disciple. That's why Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus fully and eternally understands the power, control, and destruction caused by the flesh and sin. However, please believe this truth. Jesus will never accept your allowance of the flesh and sin's control over you, especially if you're proclaiming that you've been delivered from sin's control in a devil's captivity and the power of his spirit is alive in you. God says he can sympathize. He truly can. So you can go read what God says in Hebrews 4.15 and draw near to the throne of grace versus the emptiness of the world. Trust God. Believe God, have faith in God, and live by the power and work of His Spirit. You must believe. Jesus lived one day at a time, looking in anticipation for what the Father's will was going to be carried out in and through His life each and every day. You, as His disciple, must imitate Jesus' way of life by living in anticipation for the Father's will to be carried out in and through your life today. Let me ask you, how many times did you have an unexpected or unplanned event or interaction with someone that you did not plan to speak with or spend time with, yet it happened? How did you view it? Yes, it was good in the physical realm to see them. Yes. Yes, was it good to spend time in a few moments of your vapor to interact? Well, yes. Well, if you stay in the physical, then yes, it served its purpose for sure. But my question is, what about the spiritual? Don't you know that although last week and even yesterday you had no idea what God had planned for you today? That's what Jesus knew. He knew that God has special work for his disciples every single day. Are you about it? Or are you caught up in the world? Jesus knows there is so much work to be done. Remember, the harvest is plenty, the laborers are few. 
and human-to-human interaction is only scratching the surface and in most cases is self-serving. He desires the spiritual-to-spiritual connection, the, the evidence of iron sharpening iron for spiritual warfare that's on today for the souls of humanity. And your spirit is right in the midst of it, just like Jesus's. What good is community of believers if you're only going to get together and spend time and it serves the physical by the nourishment you partake in? Yet the gathering lacks God the Father's plan and purpose for your gathering together in the first place. Fellowship is a good thing, please understand. But spiritual growth and living by God's truth is more important for your effectiveness as a disciple of Jesus. So let me ask you. If the will of the Father is for you to disciple each other, growing in the knowledge, understanding, and living out God's word and truth, you know, Matthew 4, 4, and there is no discipling going on, no living out Matthew 4, 4, are you doing the will of the Father? And if you're not doing the will of the Father, then what's the eternal, excuse me, what's the eternal consequence for that? Gathering together goes well past the physical engagement. God intends for spiritual work and worship to be lived out. God the Father's will for Jesus' disciple is deeper than feeling good about yourself and collecting trinkets. It's your life, works, and existence, and all God intends for glorifying Him with the breath of life breathed into your existence. Your life must represent God is at work in you. Amen? And then you will experience Philippians 2.13 coming alive in you. So, why would you be so concerned about something you have no control over and has no eternal value except that the devil's attempting to distract you from your responsibilities to be a disciple maker? Because the real purpose of your calling is to be and make disciples where you live, work, and play. Remember Jesus' great commission? You'll find it in Matthew 28.19 and 20. Are you making disciples or are you more concerned with tearing down barns and building larger ones? As we head back up, take this with you. Worldly riches in and of themselves is a source of corruption and deterioration for your work as a disciple of Jesus. You only have today. Are you willing to learn from God the Holy Spirit how you can live as his disciple today? Listen to what God said to his disciple Paul to the disciples in Rome in Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Will you bring the good news to someone today? God says in John, first, excuse me, God says in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Material wealth does not always mean one is blessed by the only true God. 
reasoning with yourself may be the worst advisor you could seek because your flesh is directly involved. Jesus lived his mission. He now has passed that mission on to his disciples. Are you willing, ready, and equipped to live out that mission today? Let me pray for you. <sighs> Abba, I love you and I thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, what a sobering reminder that we have today and today only. You give us a day to be faithful. You give us a day to live out your word and truths. You give us a day to interact with those you have placed in our lives and those we encounter. You give us a day to praise you. You give us a day to worship and glorify you. Today to love you. Today to love others. Today to be faithful to you. Today, O oh loving Father, enter into someone's darkness and bring forth your marvelous light and make them into a new creature today that they may not see it or feel it, but they will know in their hearts that yesterday their thoughts, words, and deeds were riddled with sin. But today was the first day they hated it. Today they look to you for forgiveness. Today they receive your spirit. Today your love and grace envelops their entire existence. Today they have a new heart. And today is the first day they begin their journey as a disciple of Jesus. Empower all of your disciples today by your spirit to complete the work you have ordained for us as your disciples. As you give us today to extend mercy, today to extend and seek forgiveness, today to repent, today to pray, and today to thank Jesus and his spirit for their love and work for our redemption, salvation, and sanctification. I thank you for today. And as Jesus said to the man on the cross next to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And I know in my heart, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great week of worship and keep walking the way.